0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I want to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. I heard this morning was powerful with Pastor Cherie, and uh, God was moving amazingly and just so good to hear. Proverbs eighteen twenty-one, just one verse. <coughs> the Bible says Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, your future is in your mouth. Your future is in your mouth. Research was conducted by university professors several years ago into uh, the power of language, the power of words, the power of our confession. And so two university study groups were uh, gathered together and uh, they were told and briefed that they were to go into two separate rooms. These rooms were identical. And in this room, in terms of climate and temperature and lighting, there would be uh, a plant in each room. And they were to go in and to do two different things. One group was to go into the room and... Uh, encourage the plant speak sweet nothings over the plant (laughs) speak life and and growth and call that plant to grow and produce fruit they'd play classical music in that room and in the other room the group was to go in and curse the plant and swear at it and uh, tell it to die and be mean and unkind to the plant but they weren't allowed to touch it And they'd play death metal music in that room and true story. And so over a series of weeks, they wanted to see was there any correlation between the power of our words on living things. They gave the same plants the same amount of water. The room was the same temperature, same climate, same soil that the plant was planted in. They made sure that all the variables in the atmosphere were the same, except for the power of the words and the lyrics that were filling up those individual rooms. Within a week, the plant that had had words of life spoken over it began to produce fruit. It began to grow. It was. It, it appeared greener than it was a week ago. The other plant, literally within a week, began to shrivel up. It began to die. And you say, well, where is that in the Bible? Well, in Mark chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus was hungry and there wasn't any cafe for a a latte and a donut. So the closest thing was the fig tree cafe, a literal fig tree. He sees it in the distance. He walks up to it and sees that there's nothing but leaves on it. There was no fruit. And the Bible says that he cursed the fig tree and the fig tree literally within 24 hours had perished away to its root you're like Jesus why so hangry I mean you're not yourself when you're hungry just get a picnic for goodness sake and just sort of sort it out don't get mad at the very thing you created the reason why Jesus cursed the fig tree is because it was receiving life but it wasn't passing life on and Jesus was also giving us a greater principle into never underestimate the impact and power of our words upon our lives. Yeah. Truth is, I've never prayed for someone who was suffering emotionally from a broken arm they received in high school, and now they're in their 60s and 70s, and they're just still suffering mentally and emotionally from the broken arm they received playing football at their school football competition. But I've prayed for countless people who, literally in their 80s, are still suffering emotionally from the hurtful and harmful words that have been spoken over them. It could be from their family members, it could be from a friend, it could be from a work colleague. But because of the trauma that was associated with those words, it has marked their life decades later. All of us have said things that we wish we could take back. Have you ever been saying something to even often the the people closest to you and it's like you just wish you could grab it and just bring it back and put it back in your mouth? Sort of like, and you want to sort of grab it and rewind quickly. And even as you're saying it, you're like, I shouldn't be saying this. And yet you say it because you're either upset or you're angry. All of us have been in that place where we wish we could take back. In fact, James 1.19 says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. There's a reason why you have two ears and one mouth. It's because God wants us to be people that weigh our words that are listening and seeking first to understand before being understood. God doesn't want us to pendulum swing to passivity and saying nothing and being silent. He wants us to grow in our maturity of our confession and our alignment with the truth of God's word so that our words actually will have kingdom impact not only in our life but in the lives of people around about us. You see, the truth is the material world is created by God's spoken word. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven three, 3, the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Another passage in Hebrews says God upholds the universe by the word of his power. Yeah. So when God creates, he creates by the spoken word. The Bible says in Genesis 1:3, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So, the sun, in all of its power and brilliance, in fact, the sun is 109 times bigger than the next biggest planet. Its mass is 330,000 times bigger than the mass of planet earth it can fit 1.3 million planets the size of earth in it and its core temperature is 15.7 million kelvin now i don't know who kelvin is but all i know is that means it's really really hot and all of that came into being when god said let there be light You need to understand something the material world the visible world we live in in all of its glory of creation and nature was created by the power of God's word and God's word framed the universe God's word set it in motion and literally God's word is sustaining the universe even to this day I believe in making sure that we honour and steward the environment and atmospheres in which we live, and we're to do all that we can to steward our planet. But I want to tell you something: uh, God's word is going to sustain this planet. On our best day, with our best commitment to steward this planet, we cannot come even close to the power of God's word in sustaining the planet that you and I belong to and are a part of. And until Jesus returns, and until until he creates a new heaven and a new earth, this planet, this galaxy will still be sustained in all of its glory, and all of its power and brilliance because of the power of God's word. And it's so important we understand that because we've been made in the same image of God, we have the ability to create with our words. Words define the world we live in. Someone once described it as words create worlds. Your words are creating the world. It defines the world that we live in. Think of Genesis 2.19. God brought animals to Adam to see what he would call them. And the Bible says, and whatever Adam Called them, that was its name. So if you don't like the name rhinoceros, blame Adam. You don't like elephant, blame Adam. Giraffe, what's that, that, you know, animal with a big long neck? I know, giraffe. Whatever he was saying in Aramaic at the time, I don't really know, but apparently translated through. And so we see that God actually partnered with you and I as his greatest crowning act of creation to actually formalize and bring into the material realm that which you and I have defined today. Adam was invited to partner with God in the creative process and so are you. You're invited to partner with God in the creative process for your life. Your words can be weapons of mass destruction or tools for mass construction. It all depends in how you Use your words. Your words set creative boundaries. They trigger events into being. I am amazed at the power of people opening up their mouth and them underestimating the series of events that start to get triggered and created simply because that person opened up their mouth and lifted their voice. In the same way as uh, marriages disintegrate, relationships dissolve with the power of our words, so too. You can actually bring unity and reconciliation into relationships. You can actually see God move powerfully in people's lives by the power of the spoken word. Right now we have a a family in our church, Pastor Don and Hannah and their beautiful kids about to set foot in uh, San Francisco, USA. They are about to launch and plant Numa San Francisco. Next weekend we're going to be commissioning them, celebrating them, sending them out. And in July, they hit the ground. You better believe their life has been changed and impacted by the moment that not only God coming and putting a vision on my heart and on our hearts as leadership and me standing on this platform and articulating to our church that God has called us to plant a church in Yuma, San Francisco. But then God confirmed and came into agreement with that word in their life. Their lives are irrevocably changed. By the power of the spoken word. They're beautiful. Two young boys are going to grow up in the United States because of the power of the spoken word. We've got to be so careful that we don't underestimate the power of that word, but we also actually steward our words and steward our language because they're creating the future that you and I are going to live in. Think about JFK, President JFK, when he declared in 10 years America will put a man on the moon. Well, that set into motion a series of events. NASA was created. Uh one point, something billion dollars was spent on research. You and I get to experience in the technology in our hands, in our smart or dumb devices, depending upon how you steward it. Uh, we get to steward this device in our hands because one man many, many decades ago opened his mouth and declared a vision that God had given him in his heart. And and the fulfillment of that is being felt in all of its impact across the world. Neuroscience tells us that our speech center controls our nervous systems. And so in your speech center, if you keep declaring over your nervous system, uh, maybe, you know, I just feel so weak all the time. I feel so tired all the time. I feel so, I've got no energy all the time. Well, your nervous system is going to hear that message and over time is going to come into alignment with the declaration and confession of your body. And no wonder you feel so sick and tired. I wonder, is anybody in the room who's sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Well, yes, part of it is about nutrition. Part of it is about sleep. Part of it is about worship. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Part of it is about stewarding your physiology and your mind, your body and spirit. But part of it is stewing, stewarding your confession. Come on. He's actually exercising self-control in the words that are coming out of your mouth. It doesn't take a genius to point out the issue. It takes a person of faith to actually speak life and health and strength over your body. Why? James 3 and 5, the original neuroscientist, had it worked out back 2,000 years ago. He says the tongue is a small member, but it is able to bridle your whole body. William Branham was an incredible healing evangelist of post-World War II America and and, uh, such were the miracles and the signs and wonders that were being um, ministered to people and demonstrated at the various crusades that uh, he he was leading that there was a a group of mockers, skeptics and uh, wherever there is a genuine move of God there are skeptics. There are mockers. There are people who will point the finger and try and highlight all the issues and try and find scandals and this and that. And and so reporters actually decided that they would try and trip William Branham up. And so they decided, three reporters, to fake illnesses or sicknesses. And so as the custom was, they'd come to the side of the platform and one of the reporters actually pretended like they were blind and they had a stick a walking cane and they came up onto the platform and William Brandon as it was his custom would pray for them and and it was like a, a public ministry and he the the history books and um a footage of this says that he actually felt and discerned in his spirit something was wrong. He said, just wait here. Something's not right. Ask for the next person. The next person was actually uh, the reporter faking that they were deaf. And so, um, you know, sort of through their interpreter or whatever was claiming that they couldn't hear properly. And then the next person was actually claiming that they were lame and were wheeled up in a wheelchair. All three came up onto the platform And William Branham discerned what was going on and God revealed it to him. He looked at all three and he said, Be it unto you according to your confession. And all three in the spot began to manifest the symptoms of that which they had declared over their mouth. Now, I just want to step aside a little bit and say, I don't know where the grace of God fits in that. I don't know where, how God maneuvered or what happened out of that. Because how many of us know we we serve a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God. But we also serve a holy, just, and an awe-inspiring God. And when people, even in the New Testament, tried to mock the miraculous and tried to mock the power of God, Even the apostle Peter, even the apostle Paul would challenge that spirit, that mocking spirit, that religious spirit, that spirit that wants to try and undermine the power of God and would challenge it to the point of great demonstrations of power. All I'm saying is we've got to be so careful about the power of our confession because what you're confessing will lead to your possessing, if you know what I'm talking about. And some of us are owners of things in our life that you actually don't need, you actually don't want, but you've invited into your life through the gateway of your mouth. And you and I have got to stop giving the enemy a foothold in our life and opening the doorway for the work of the enemy in our life and for all sorts of psychosomatic illnesses and all sorts of issues because we keep coming into alignment with the lie rather than the truth. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now just think about this. Why do we lead people in a prayer of salvation? Well, one, because it's effective. Two, It's because God's saving grace is applied through the confession of faith. Why in part are we even gathering here tonight to come around and to sit under the authority of God's word? And by the way, even me as a preacher, I'm coming under to sit under the authority of God's word in this moment. Because I'm not preaching to you something I don't need in my life. I need this as much as you need this. And so why do we do that? If there was no power in it, if there was no power in the prayer, why would we invite people to pray that prayer of repentance and pray that prayer of salvation? It's because there is this connection between what you believe in your heart and the truth and the power of that truth that comes out of your mouth. So here's the deal. If you can believe God for your salvation and the free gift of eternal life that you believe for all eternity you are going to spend in his presence and you're going to walk with him and have a relationship with him that the holy spirit speaks to you why is it that you can't believe for the power of faith in your mouth and in your confession for every other area of your life Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to spy it out. Ten came back with a negative confession. Two came back with a faith-filled, positive report, positive confession. And as the Bible says, be it unto you according to your faith, to Joshua and Caleb, because they were of a different spirit and because they believed the promise, were the only ones that survived the wilderness along with Moses and were able to possess the promised land while those who actually had a negative confession and a doubt-filled report died out in the wilderness. There is not one promise of God in your life that needs to die out or you miss out on, I'm Telling you, God has given you the promises of God, which are yes and amen, not to be admired, not to simply look at and go, Aren't they wonderful things? But for you to actually walk in the fullness of the possession of those promises in your life. But in order to do that, it isn't just about faith, it is actually about faith partnering with your confession. Because confession leads to possession. Hebrews 10.23 reinforces this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You don't need to ever second guess God's promises because it's come from God. He's faithful. If ever there is a lack, it's never on God's end. It's always on ours. And that's not meant to condemn us, shame us, beat us up, but it's meant to cause us to become more hungry and thirsty, to actually align our thinking with our words, with the truth of God's word. And so if God has designed our confession to have such an impact on our lives, we've got to become more word conscious and less problem conscious. Too many people are problem conscious. They live conscious of their problems. But not word conscious. Not aware of the words that they're declaring over their problems. What did Jesus say? Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. This promise, this teaching, this declaration comes after the power of Jesus rebuking and cursing the fig tree and seeing it wither to its roots. Now, this is what the Bible didn't say. The Bible didn't say, get your phone out and take Instagram pictures of the mountain and post it and say, what a terrible mountain this is in my life. (laughs) How bad is things going on in, in Australia today and around the world? It's just so bad, it's so bad. Bible didn't say, throw a party about your mountain. Bible didn't say, phone a friend. Bible said speak to it because nothing will move out of the way in your life until you speak to it didn't say complain about it didn't say argue about it didn't say debate about it he said speak to it and I've learned in my life that you've got to speak to the mountain you're going to speak to the problem think about angel Gabriel visited Mary 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 quite contrary And Mary's, not quite, but Mary is a virgin. She's an adolescent. And an angel appears. Oh, and there the angel is. And the angel says, oh, Mary, you are highly favored. You are going to be with child. And and Mary's like, how? And he's like, the Holy Spirit. And she's like, okay. And and it's like, really? That's not logical. It doesn't make sense. She has no context to let her know of supernatural encounters. This is one of the craziest encounters in all of human history. And it's happened to this young, humble, and full of integrous uh, sort of adolescent girl. And the angel Gabriel comes and says, you are going to be the mother of the son of god. You know, I mean we read this stuff in the bible, oh yeah, it's just a bible story. No, this really happened. All the ladies in the room, imagine you're, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, and God comes and, and, and sends an angel and literally appears to you and says to you, you're going to be the mother of the son. Are you for real? You wouldn't be sitting there looking at me so holy and spiritual. You'd be like, what? That is crazy. And so you'd have a few questions. Just like Mary. And Mary goes, how? How? the angel Gabriel said it will be that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will be with child and this is Mary's response be it unto me according to your word be it unto me according to your word Mary had a problem she was a virgin and this word came how on earth it's going to come but she held on to the promise I'm telling us today, God wants us to get more preoccupied with our promise than our problems. Come on. Come on. There, are, there, there, there could be a plethora of problems in the room. I, I, I pray you have no problems in your life, but all I know is John 16 says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean you have no more problems. In fact, coming to Jesus can often mean you get some more problems. <laughs> right? Right? Why? Because the enemy now has you as a target. It, it comes against you. But greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. Right? And, and regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the problem, regardless of the cost of following Jesus, it's worth it because Jesus as a gift is greater than anything this world could throw at me or could not throw at me or could give me as a temporal blessing. And so for all of us, many of us have problems in our life and we face all sorts of problems. But are you more problem conscious than you are promise conscious? Get more preoccupied with the promises of God than the problems that are coming your way. And this is what I do in my life when I encounter a problem. And... and you know, often people look at leaders and they think they've got no problems and they just, you know, float in the air and it's, it's all good and they put them on a pedestal. Let me tell you, when when God calls you to lead anything, you get you inherit more problems. Yeah. We're growing as a church in the moment. Praise God. I thank God for what he's doing in the life of our church. There's there's a movement in the spirit. There's something shifting in the supernatural realm. We've prayed for it. We believe for it. We're witnessing for it. We're discipling for it. Why? Because more people need an encounter with Jesus. Our city needs an encounter with Jesus. Our nation, our world needs a revival. Praise God for it. But also the reality is as we grow, there's more challenges. There's more. We face all manner of challenges and problems, but I, like Hezekiah, every morning will bring those problems before the Lord. And I say, God, now fill me with your solutions. Now show me in your word the promises, the answers to the question. When we face something as a leadership team, okay, that's a problem, but what's the solution? Yeah. What's the promise? And we start to get more promise conscious than problem conscious. And we start to actually saturate and immerse ourselves in the truth of God's Word. So whatever your problem currently is in your life, I want to encourage you to go to the Word of God and find the promise. Find the solution. Begin to declare that over your life. Begin to declare that over your body, your relationships, your finances. Let it immerse your mind. Saturate your spirit begin to get it in your mouth begin to get a faith confession begin to speak to the mountain not complain about the mountain and watch what God will do in your life because this is what I've learned if you'll magnify your words you'll minimize your mountain many of us are looking at our problem as if it's like Mount Everest and we're looking up at it and we're intimidated by it but you got to understand God created Mount Everest He didn't create your problem, but Mount Everest as a natural mountain, he created it. He doesn't, he's never intimidated by anything. And so he looks, he doesn't scratch his head go, what are we going to do about this? No, he's like, no, there are solutions. There are answers. There are promises. There are things that I have for you. That you need to bring your energy, your attention, and your focus to. Zechariah 4, 7 says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a flat plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. I find myself from time to time encountering issues and challenges, and I just speak grace, grace literally to it. What's grace? Divine unmerited favor. God, I just declare Double portion, divine unmerited favor over this area of my life. I can't work it out. I don't have all the answers, but I know your grace will make a way. Your grace is sufficient. And I'm going to declare, I'm going to choose. It doesn't matter who the mockers are. It doesn't matter how people look at this or interpret this, but I'm going to choose to maintain a faith confession because you are. You don't reward anything else except faith. And so our prayer lives may actually need a renovation. Yeah. We may need to clean up our prayer lives. Because the Bible says, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask in prayer, stay with me. Believe that you've received it yeah. and it will be yours. Now, if you only ever pray about the problem, don't be surprised if there's no change. God, I'm sick. God, I'm sick. God, I'm sick. God's like, I know. I know. That's why the Bible says when it comes to your petitions and requests, get to the point quickly. God already knows what you need. I know you're sick, but what about you ask me to heal you? And if you spent more time asking for your healing and believing for your healing, and you say, well, I came out once to the prayer line and it didn't happen. Let me tell you, if I'm sick in my body, I'm not coming out. I'm coming and I'm coming out to the front. I'm getting every person who's got any faith to lay hands upon me until I get my breakthrough in Jesus' name. Yeah. You've got to get relentless about this. You've got to get a spirit of faith that says, I will not let you go until you bless me. There are only some blessings you get as you persevere and hold on in faith. We're so, our resilience as a generation is so weak. We we sort of, oh, I tried, but it was too hard. I read my Bible once. I gave once. It was too hard. Come on, people. We're the people of faith. We've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. When Jesus returns, will he find faith in the earth? Well, he will hear because we're relentless. We're like a bulldog and we grab on and we hold on and we're breathing through the nostril and we're holding on. Why? because we're not letting go until he blesses us. I tell you, I'm relentless. I was preaching here when none of you were here but a camera. I'll be preaching here when they all come in this room. I'm telling you, we need a revival and I'm going to be until I get the revival. I'm going to hold on and I'm going to pray and I'm going to get up every morning when no one looks and I'm going to declare and I'm going to tolerate the mockers and the critics. Why? Because I believe that God is on the move and this church is growing and you're moving forward and God is going to do great and mighty things and this city will be known as a city of revival this house will be known as a house of revival and a house of prayer and we will see thousands of people come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour and hundreds of churches will be planted in the coming decades not because of any genius of man but because of we held on and we held on and we held on and we kept speaking to the mountain some of you give up way too easily there's one thing, I, not perfect, but I don't give up easily. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I remember as a youth pastor, we played this game. We were all broken up into groups and we're all holding on to each other's arms in this circle. I looked at the, the little punk 14-year-old next to me and the little 13-year-old next to me. And I said, if you let go, I'm going to break your arms. Let's play the game. And we held on and we were the last group to hold on and the last three were me and these two poor kids hanging off the end. Don't you dare let go, I said. Don't you dare let go. I'm telling you, you gotta get that spirit about you. You gotta get, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence but the violent take it by force. It's not talking about being violent. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's talking about in the spirit. We wrestle against principalities and powers of darkness. But you know where the battle is won? In your prayer life. you got to get your praying and your saying together, if you know what I mean. Some of us pray one thing, God, I believe you're going to bless me. Oh, Lord, I'm believing for an awesome man or woman of God to come into my life. And you get your shopping list out. Oh, tall, dark and handsome. Oh, you start to declare it. Then you walk out. I'm so lonely and it's just so terrible. And there's no one like that in our church. And It's just so terrible. Oh, no, I'm going to be lonely for the rest. of and, and we wonder why it cancels out the very thing that we just prayed. Come on, we've got to get our praying and our saying together. Don't pray the prayer and then cancel it and nullify the blessing of God in your life because you're saying something contrary to what you actually believe. You see, prayer is the great revealer of what you really believe. You've got to stop praying the problem. You've got to start prophesying the solution. When I face a problem, I... I dream of the solution. I ask the Holy Spirit to to show me the solution. And I begin to prophesy that. I begin to declare that when I was... Uh, itinerant full time traveling all over the earth in that first year uh, when God called us to be a voice to the wider body we we only had three months of that first year booked out meaning engagements and as an itinerant ministry meetings are meetings if you know what I'm talking about and so there we are and we've only got three months and after that it's back to you know I don't know whatever it was stacking shelves or whatever it is I don't know but all I know is I'm going to look after my family I'm going to provide for my family God what do I do I have people saying to me go to the conferences, contact everyone, send emails, put, you know, really cute pictures of yourself preaching on the Instagram, do all of these things, do all these, and it'll get, and and, and the Lord said to me, nah, it's nonsense, don't do any of that. He said, I want you to get on your knees and I want you to pray, and I want you to call those things that are not as if they were. He said, I want you to go to the calendar and I want you to put your hands on the calendar. It may seem stupid to you, but I do what he tells me to do. And I went to that 12 month outlook calendar and I put my hands on it on the wall planner and I said I thank you Lord I call those things that are not as if they were I thank you Father that opportunities invitations and ministry assignments are coming at me from all four corners of the earth. I thank you Lord that Lord that come from the north, south, east and west I thank you Father that not only Lord will I go and advance your kingdom across the earth but my ministry and family will be provided for and I laid hands upon that within three weeks the entire rest of the year was filled up and then I came to the end of that year in November and I laid hands on it again it worked once God hasn't given you another message. Do it again, and so I did it again. Some of you are like, let's find a new formula. No, the old one already works. So just go back to it and full of faith. Until God tells you otherwise, go back, lay hands upon it, and I declare. And every year for six years that I was travelling, there was no one supporting me except I had God, my provider, Jehovah Jireh, and I did what He said, and I declared in faith, and I didn't just look at the problem. I prophesied the solution i 'm telling you I just sense breakthrough is coming into this room right now. there are things in this room testimonies, breakthroughs, all sorts of things are about to happen because prayer is the great revealer of what you really believe. whatever you pray a lot about that 's what you really believe that 's what you is really important to you. So if we're always praying about the problem, I've in some seasons of my life, I prayed so much about the problem. I got depressed and yet everyone's saying, you've got to pray more. But if you pray more and it's just the wrong prayer, you're going to get overwhelmed. It's going to be a weight that you can't carry. God didn't just say pray. He said, pray and believe. Pray in faith. Pray in faith and do something with whatever God tells you to do. So it's so important to understand that there is a correlation between the condition of your heart and the content of your mouth. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words aren't created in a vacuum. They come from a source. Your heart is a river. There's a river mouth It's called your mouth. And out of your mouth flow rivers of living water. Out of your spirit, yes. But how do people know what's going on in your spirit? Comes out of your mouth. And so in Genesis 1, there's this thing called natural law that's built into creation where the text says and repeats, they were made after their kind. In other words, according to their kind, we reproduce. You can only reproduce according to your kind. In other words, your mouth will reproduce what your spirit and heart meditates upon. You think about in the natural, if your primary source of food is junk food all the time, then ultimately what's going to come out of your body is an unhealthy body. It's going to impact your blood pressure and all sorts of issues in your life. You change the source, you change the symptom. It's no point, by the way, just I want to encourage holistic approach to life. Don't treat your body poorly and just keep coming for prayer and expecting to be healed. Can I just preach truth for a moment? Uh, steward your body because your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about trying to measure up to some, you know, body image culture in the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stewarding your health looking after yourself. It's the same with finances. People just spend everything and then say, God, supply my need. Hang on a sec. Did you honor God with your tithe? Did you put some money away into savings? Did you actually honor your financial commitments? And if you can't honor your financial commitments, then maybe just step back your lifestyle a little bit. Get in control of it again. You can unravel your financial world in 12 months and you can begin to prosper in five years. But you but you, you got to, you see, God's word works, but you've got to come into alignment with it. So with our, because our, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we steward it, we look after it. But, but, but then we also believe in faith on all the promises of God. With our finances, we steward it, we look after it, but we also align with what God's word teaches about tithing and honoring and generosity and good stewardship. If your primary source of information in your life is sort of, you know, Sky News or Fox News or CNN or The Project or this, that, or the other, and there may be some good things that happen on those shows and those channels, but if your primary source of information is social media and the media of this world, don't be surprised if what comes out of your mouth is a negative confession. It's like during COVID, it's like everyone had a platform to say everything and it was so negative and it was so oppressive. And it's like my wife and I just did this, thing called happy hour on a friday night on social media where for an hour i acted like a moron and my wife just looked at me and said you're a moron and and it brought joy to the world literally i got people all over australia saying you just helped us stay sane during covid cuz we tuned in every friday night i'm like well you were the only one but i'm telling you if at the very least i did it for me why cuz there's you got to interrupt the negativity We're going to interrupt the flow of of fake news and of negative information with the good news of the gospel. You're going to get some good news into your spirit. You're going to get some life instead of death. You're going to feed on some stuff that when you open up your mouth, it's not insecurity, it's not comparison, it's not complacency, it's not, oh, the church is just so struggling in this day. It's never going to be the same. Oh, they've been saying that for 2,000 years and we're still here and will still be here until he returns. I'm telling you, Jesus is building his church and Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say, I'll only build it until COVID and then I might change my mind. I'll only build it until Roman oppression comes upon my church and then when they start throwing them to the lions in the Colosseum, oh, I'm not building it anymore. I'll only build it until, I'm telling you, this church of Jesus Christ the body of Christ it will be the highest of all the mountains and all the people shall flow to it says the word until the day that Jesus Christ comes you got to stop listening to the commentators of the world and start to immerse yourself in the truth of God's word you see changing your words requires you to change what you're feeding your spirit and if you don't change your words, you won't change your life. And so I want to encourage you today to weigh your words because your words are shaping your future. Yeah. Jesus said, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. Yeah. And by your words, you'll be condemned. A pastor's wife that I, I know of uh, the only reason I mention that phrase, pastor's wife, is because it literally he, he was the pastor and she wasn't. But in our church we have many women that are pastors in the life of the church and we don't particularly use that phrase, pastor's wife. I just say that because we love uh, the contribution of every female pastor and leader in this church. Yeah. But in this case and scenario in their marriage, this was the case and she had developed a blood disease. And the doctors had said, there's nothing that we can do for you. And uh, this pastor friend, he went into his study in his prayer closet. And uh, he spent weeks and weeks and weeks praying for his wife and there was no answer. And he got upset and angry at God. He said, God, uh, I've asked you to heal my wife. Why haven't you answered me? He said, I've answered you twice he's like what are you talking about and he looked on the bookshelf and he saw Charles Capp's book the tongue a creative force he said two people have given you this book since your wife got sick I've already answered you so he got reading it (laughs) I'd read that in an hour he started to read it and he got a revelation of the power of his confession And from that day forward, seven times a day, it's not about the number, it was about the act of obedience. He walked into the room and he declared over his wife, white blood cells down, red blood cells up, I declare you healed in Jesus' name. And he laid hands and prayed over her. And within weeks, back to the doctor, scans completely clear. I I don't know how it works, but I know who works it, the Holy Spirit. And all I know that we are in relationship with a God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, that people, individuals who the world overlooked, outcasts, people who are marginalized, had encounters with God, and God came and spoke promises and words and declared things over their life that the only way it was ever going to come to pass is if they would rise up in faith and dare to believe and, and begin to confess with their mouths the word that Jesus was saying. And I believe in this room tonight, there are people in this room that God's given you promises. There are prophecies. There are things that have been spoken over you. There are others in this room that that you're at the beginning of your journey and there's something within you tonight that says, I could dare to believe that God could use me like that. That God could do this in my business or my family or my life. Or God God could use me as a preacher, a pastor, a leader and do amazing things for my life. How is it going to happen? The Holy Spirit in your faith, God's sovereign grace and your faith. And how does your faith begin to shape your future? Through the confession of your mouth. What the world has done is it's taken the principles of God's word and applied them and people who don't even believe in Jesus understand the power of confession and they've put those words to good use in their life and they are seeing God bless them and prosper them and flourish them in amazing ways and yet while the people of God are like paupers on the sideline watching the world win the battle and God's coming to us and saying it's time to rise up people of God and it's time to be the people of faith that God has called you to be and it's time to get the word of the Lord in your mouth and begin to prophesy the word of the Lord over your life because your words are shaping your future your future is in your mouth and God says to all of us today I've set before you life and death blessing and cursing choose life that you may live thank you for joining us for this message today